Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And today we're discussing two of the biggest new stars of this generation. Yeah. With similar, who came kind of came uh, into the rap game in a similar lane and have taken di- divergent paths. Yeah. Uh, that is, we're talking about Kodak Black and 21 Savage, who both have put out um, records in sort of that uh, black hole of a release time, which is like late December, mm-hmm. mid-late December to early January, uh, that like it's a time where you won't show up on any best of lists mm-hmm. because of it. it. Frankly, most media outlets have broken for the holidays when that stuff comes out. Uh, and yet these were both... Both of their records were hugely successful. I think both number That's ones. Right. That both both debuted at number one. And the, you know, they're, they're these are two artists that um, have just sort of such interestingly divergent paths. Uh, you know, Twenty One Savage, someone who has sort of uh, almost like cleaned up his act and sort of been this like wise, like kind of person from the streets who, who looks back on it a lot and talks about the realities and it's. You know, uh, kind of, he's shown a lot of growth uh, as an artist. Mm-hmm. It's kind of steps into a leadership role in exactly. terms of community work. Yeah, and in almost like a alternate version of a Meek Mill kind of role, where he's, exactly he's kind of like somebody who's like I for you know speaks to the community from which he came and speaks to them in a way of saying like I was where you are, and you don't have to fall victim to the same paths that you've seen many people, countless people, fall before you. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kodak Black has from the jump been embroiled in legal trouble. If you if you don't know about Kodak Black and the charges against him, some of them are sort of minor parole violations, but the most significant are uh, charges of uh, sexual assault. And that sort of makes Kodak Black uh, akin to other artists from this generation who have got similar problematic side to them, such as Takashi 69 and mm-hmm. XX Estension. Uh, who we both have, who we haven't really talked about Takashi a whole lot, yeah, but right. we talked about Excession mm-hmm. after his passing last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kodak, you know, is is like a, a really hard artist to support, and yet, you know, he's hugely popular, and you know, I think it's worth it for us to kind of talk about what it means for an artist like him to be successful. Where, where where the appeal comes from for people mm-hmm. and where also that sort of threshold exists as a listener for an artist like that. Yeah, well said. Uh, so let's get into it. Okay, let's, let's start off with Kodak Black, who's from Pompano Beach, Florida. Um, it's a Haitian background. That's right. Um, he actually, I, th- I think... I don't know if it's the first time I heard Kodak Black, but the the first time I took Kodak Black seriously uh, was a time, it was like after one of our sort of earlier DJ nights, I think maybe in 2015, uh, mm-hmm. where Jordan and I came back after a really fun night at Boozy Fade to my place, and he put on the video for Project Baby, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, it was, that was, you know, it was, it was a little, little turnt. At the time, scary hours. Yeah, and uh, I remember it blowing my mind. I was like, "This is like kind of like 
this artist has so much soul. He speaks with like so much pain of like the realities about poverty, of of you know coming from absolutely like the gutter of you know living sort of this life with uh, you feel like like you know that you won't make it past twenty five or you'll end up dead or, or in jail seventeen or ever, even seventeen. I mean, like that you're living like really in a way that most people can't even dream of. Mm-hmm. And he was just articulating that. And he was, I think, seventeen. I think he was. I think he may have been 15, 15 when, when, when Project, Baby, Project came Baby came out. Yeah. He's very still young. I think he turned 20 this year, maybe? He's 21 now. He's 21 now? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, 21 in, eight, in 2018. But he was in, uh, you know, he kind of like, a, I think, first started making waves in Miami to some degree, or making music in when he was 13. And, and really coming from, you know, again, just like a, a background that many of us can't imagine. Um, he also, he, he kind of was one of the first artists to really blow up in the way that these this generation artists do, where he went viral, basically. Mm-hmm. With, well, I mean, he, he did also sort of follow a very traditional route of blowing up regionally. Like, right, that's true. Very, that's true. very much so first. But um, Kodak Black came t- to me through the website Passion Weiss. Uh, there was an article like about him and i just i think i happened upon it on on twitter i started reading about him i think it was like yeah he was on passion weiss and i saw something on pigeons and planes about him and i was like okay let me check this guy out and the first song i saw was project baby and if you listen to project baby it's really very much in the in the mold of like a like early little wayne like little boosie kind of Mm -hmm. vibe and i think that's what what really captured my attention about it and also the fact that he's like 15 and kind of like rapping with this wisdom of mm-hmm. somebody who's at least twice his age. And yeah, it's just like the, the level of the attention to detail, the way that he's able to describe uh way to examine his position in life and mm-hmm. the things that he's doing that he knows are really dangerous and the likelihood that it's going to end in his early demise. But also the fact that he knows there's like, I don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It was just such a really three dimensional portrait of, of his of existence in the way that you kind of want all artists to speak, but most are incapable of. Yeah, and it was just, there was just like a very there's a very intelligent reckoning with his own internal life, which I think there's a lot of rappers who are good at talking about external things, like you know I got a bunch of money now, yeah, I got their goals, their aspirations. Yeah, I have a big car. You know, I have all all of the sexual partners I want. You know, <laughs> yeah. and. Um, but Kodak was discussing a more like internal, a like, more like yeah. There's there's just strong emotional palette to his work, and like and to this day, I think his best work is is kind of in that vein where you can kind of hear this like pain in his voice almost. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like I don't know. It just it draws you and it feels authentic. It feels like this is this is his reality and you, that you're you know getting to sort of share in it. Mm-hmm. Um. So he, uh, he. So just so that that kind of happens, and I feel yeah. like around the time he starts getting attention from the blogs, at some point, uh, a few songs come out that really help accelerate his success. To Hugh, to Hugh, like, as, like I mean, I have to say, they, as I say, they went viral. I mean, they were they blew up very fast, and he gained sort of a rabid fan base in a sort of similar vein to like maybe like when it happened with Chief Keef. That's right. I think the first one uh, came out in 2014. Um, the song actually has had a seismic impact on the shape of the rap world mm-hmm. and of, of this decade. So he put out a song that's uh, just a pure, like, no hook, just mm-hmm. like, uh, 
nearly three minutes of just straight rapping. It's called No Flocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was 2014. That's 2014 oh, when that song God. was released. And um, let's just play a little bit of it right now. Yeah. Young nigga, I got old cash, spazzing on the ass. I got Prada on my whole ass. Got my lab one man, pop a nigga like a damn tag. Shopping on the ass, I just bought a new OJ. Yeah, it's so fast. Smoking flocker, you a jackass. All I smoke is that. Don't you ask me where the pole at, where your clothes at. I ain't talking about my niggas, damn it. But y'all tripping too, is it true? So if you if you just heard if you just heard if you're hearing no flocking for the first time and even if you're hearing it for the for uh you know subsequent time after much listening to it you may recognize that cadence <laughs> because that cadence uh was later used by Cardi B for Bodak Yellow yeah and that became that became the song that broke broke her career essentially and made yeah. her one of the biggest an a-list rap star yeah and i mean so, the name is a reference you know the name it's right is there, a reference right to there. kodak black bodak yeah. yellow so and i think that like what was interesting about no flocking is like this is another thing that like when i was looking up with the cody the kodak when i first was listening to all his music and i saw this song and i was like this guy he you know i mean he's definitely somebody that would fall into the camp of what you know people would some people would consider to be a mumble rapper, mm-hmm. but in a song like no flocking, I'm like, Oh, this is like rap rap, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like, it's not, you know, I think that some people maybe can listen to the subject matter or like some of the way the words are said and be like, this isn't that complex, but I think actually it is a very complex song and it's mm-hmm. a very interesting song lyrically and stylistically. And I feel like this is, this is the moment where I was like, okay, there's something going on with this guy. He's a very interesting, he's attacking things at a different level than most rappers. And shortly after that, he, you know, he's put out a string of other songs, but it was, in, I think, in October of 2015, which is still pretty early on in his in his rise, that uh, there's a video from Instagram of Drake on a private jet, and he's dancing very slowly to a song by Kodak Black called Skirt. Uh, and this is, like, when I, f- I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, okay, like, now it's, like, it's, we're off to the races. And... Pretty soon after that, I think maybe later that month, Kodak signed a deal with Atlantic Records. And basically since then has become one of the most talked about and at least artistically compelling new rappers. Mm -hmm. And and definitely at the same time, also one of the hardest artists to root for. Um, You know, seemingly a lot of the... I mean, rap has a long history of violence against women. It's like a, a... you know, some sometimes it's been kind of like a out in the open, and other times it's been like a dirty secret within the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're seeing right now with R. Kelly getting outed. I mean, we've known about R. Kelly for sixteen years, something like that. Yeah, you know, and, and I think if you go like going into the nineties, like Tupac was convicted of sexual assault. Yeah, uh, we recently were hearing stories of like Biggie domestic with yeah, domestic that's, abuse that's with, with Little Kim. Yeah, it's been known, but Dr. it's like Dre. like Doctor Dre, yeah. which is like just if you watch the the Defiant Ones documentary with about Doctor Dre and Jimmy Iovine, which is really spectacular and worth going out of your way to see they they even discuss it in there Mm -hmm. but like very like not like not a ton they talk to d barnes like dre's victim but i think that in general it's not as big a part the people from the a lot of people from the 90s were able to escape the scrutiny Mm -hmm. at which we look at all of the artists and entertainers of today yes because we just have more access to information and i think also that it's a cultural change it's like a huge cultural shift where 
it's like this is not something that can be swept under the rug anymore. Yeah, exactly. There's just much more scrutiny, and the the moral compass has shifted. I mean, but like, and you know, I mean, rap. It's it's hard not to go down a little rabbit hole once you start getting into the morality of rap because there are even for the artists who don't hadn't committed violence against women as far as we know they've done a lot of bad things in their life a little product of their environment uh, you know but and as much as like we can sort of say we don't know about that I mean selling drugs shooting people the, these are things that like they're the, the bread and butter of, of rap subject matter and oftentimes it reflects the reality of, that a person was brought up in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, so there's all kinds of sort of uh, a moral sort of, I don't know, gymnastics that you sometimes have to do when listening to certain rap artists, knowing their background. Uh, that said, it's sort of, got, we've gotten to a point, I think, where people aren't really ready to do that just take that for granted anymore, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I mean, as I say, R. Kelly, you know, in the 2000s, after we had heard all of this, was, like, really was still one of the biggest artists around, you know, with, I mean, Ignition Remix, how many weddings was that played at in the last 16 years? Mm-hmm. Probably in the millions. Like, honestly. <laughs> Damn. Like, I'm not, I'm not with no exaggeration. Yeah, it's true. Um, but, you know, I think that the thing with Kodak that was has happened throughout his career and i think that on his new on his most recent project the one that we're kind of want to discuss in depth today which is dying to live that you can see you know you can see growth in terms of like how he describes like the way he his outlook on life in the in this album Mm -hmm. and whereas previous albums like i remember like the song first day out Mm -hmm. Uh, first day out is like, and titling the song first day out is kind of a tradition that was started by Gucci Mane, Mm -hmm. which is like uh, a lot of rappers are doing this. Like the first day that they got out of jail or prison, they would record a song and title it first day out. And it would be describing what you're experiencing in prison and what you're going to do now. So, you know, Gucci started it. Uh, T Grizzly had a huge first day Mm -hmm. out song uh, a few years ago. Biggest day. What's that? It was his biggest day. It's yeah, that's right. That's right. And so Codex first day out, I remember like he has a song. I mean, there's a, there's a line on the song where he essentially says, he's like, he's like, I'm on parole, but I still keep the pole, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'll still like, you know, I, basically I'm like, I, I know I'm on parole. I just got out of jail, but I'm still, I'm still doing all the things that put me there and yeah. I'm not afraid to go back. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of outlook on life that he had mm-hmm. and on dying to live. His outlook has changed. Like he still, he still has that element where he's like, He's like, yeah, you know, I still keep the glizzy on. Like, he still still yeah. has the, you know, the weapon with him, but he's still kind of, but it's much more like I'm. He's trying to like write his life mm-hmm. is essentially the way that he frames it in the album. Which even like as I was thinking about his music and listening to like it again and thinking about what the little like you know snippets, the things that he's things that he's so good at, which is like providing saying say you know saying one line mm-hmm. that is essentially it sounds like an entire outlook on on the world like an mm-hmm. entire viewpoint that is like carefully considered and it's something that i definitely noted on his on his new album but it's like the you know one thing that's like you know and very very famously recently he was on he was on hot 97 mm-hmm. with uh, ebro and ebro started to bring up his he's like his sexual assault case he confronted him about it it he wasn't confronted it wasn't, him it wasn't like slowly bringing it up it was the first question of the interview and, and, he, he, and he, him, he confronted him about it. Yes. And Ebro said, I know we said that you can't talk about this because it's a pending legal case. And then he asked him about it. And Kodak essentially stormed out. Yeah. 
And on this album, which has 16 songs, I think outside of like any oblique reference, there's no there's no direct references to his case, which I mean, I don't think anyone is really expecting it considering I mean, the, yeah, the nature of it, the nature of it and the point of uh, the point of view that was like espoused on the Hot 97 show and like talking about like the legal reasons why he can't speak about it. Mm-hmm. But he does talk about a lot of other he talks about his legal troubles. He talks about his kind of like decision making mm-hmm. and like what has been going on in his mind. And I don't know. Like I like this album is a, it's a very strong body of work. I think it's as strong as to date. And there's a lot of introspection and a lot of like examining of his of of his issues. But there's there's no real reckoning with like any of the the yeah the the things that he's the, done or or like taking accountability really. I mean, my my thing that I've where I one of the things I have the hardest time with uh, as far with Kodak is that he's he can do this sort of why like why me why is like mm-hmm. like why are they persecuting me why why you know they why do the people enjoy seeing my pain uh, and he can, you know it's like when he's taking sort of the angle of of like how he was brought up and the environment that he was in, it, it's like pretty compelling. But then once it starts to get into his legal troubles, it's like, well, Kodak, you put yourself there, and it's not doing nothing. You know, it's like what you do, what you've done is like pre- like pretty reprehensible. And so the why me kind of angle becomes like pretty off putting to me, at least. Yeah, and I think I think it would be one thing if it was a why me in a situation where it was just kind of like. Gang related, you're just caught drug. up in some yeah, some gang stuff. related, street related violence. Yeah. yeah, I think there's there's more of an argument to be made of like you know being a product of your environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to like stuff like sexual assault, violence yeah. against women, while some of that may be embedded in the way that you were brought I mean, up, it's, it's totally part of the culture. But you got to take responsibility for it. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, that's like the thing. I don't think. I mean, there are some people who will never want to listen to Kodak Black on the, that basis. And that is a completely coherent and reasonable position. But I think there's a lot of people that if that if Kodak was like, listen, I understand what I did was wrong and I'm trying to be better in that way and like, you know, understand where that side came from, you know, where, what I did was wrong and try and understand why I did that and try and change for the better. But I, I don't really like, I see that he doesn't want to get in trouble anymore, but I don't see him taking responsibility. That's right. That's right. You know? That's right. And I think that, I mean, on on the actual album, you know, there, there are songs like, you know, on the song Transgression, which mm. I think is one of the standout tracks on the album for me. He, I mean, on, on a few songs on this album, he, the most recent time he went to jail, he went to jail, it was because he was on Instagram live and, and he ended up getting a parole violation because there was like visible like a visible gun mm-hmm. and marijuana yeah and like his, his kid was his, around yeah a toddler his toddler was around and if if you if you if you're going to take Kodak at his word on this album mm-hmm. what he essentially says is that the gun was not his it belonged to a friend of his mm-hmm. And he ended up taking this charge for a friend of his, mm-hmm. which I mean, doesn't all the way really track because I don't think that what they were, I mean, I think he did get popped for having the gun, but it's also like, it was also like child endangerment. It was yes. more like yeah, you have exactly. the gun around your kid and like, doesn't, not really about the ownership of like who, ha- whose gun is it. And know? just being so brazen to be in that his exact legal circumstance that he is in and then go on Instagram live and like essentially believing that he is untouchable, mm-hmm. you know, that there is no consequence. And I mean, 
Again, he is pretty young. Like, I mean, this is still, the, this, a teenager. This, this is the other thing. And I remember you said this once, and this is something I always think about him because I think it's such a an astute way of putting what the, the, the whole Kodak Black thing is that he's like, you said that he, I've never seen an artist who displays such maturity in their work and seemingly none of it in their real life. Yeah. And I feel like that's the truth with Kodak Black. And yeah. that's the thing. That's the that's the the central issue with him, which is like the what, probably the most confounding thing because his music is so is so intelligent mm-hmm. and um, introspective. It's not like he's Little Pump. You that's know? right. It's right. It's not. It's not all party songs. Like Although even his song with Little Pump is actually really good on here. That's which one is that? Is uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's gnarly. gnarly, gnarly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. And like you know, Kodak has a Kodak. I think. I think the thing that's also really interesting to me about Kodak is that he is so aware about what is special about his work. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a line on this album where he's like, he's like, uh, you talk in jewels, I'm dropping jewels. They see the difference. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, 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 that's really it. Also it, such a good line. It's very, very, very good. But it's like, that's it in a sentence right there. Yeah, like it he, is. Kodak, and I think this is why he connects with so many people and why mm-hmm. he's so popular. Yeah. You know, whereas with Existentation, there's obviously the stuff about like, you know, m- misguided and misunderstood teenagers feeling like somebody who was speaking for their voice. Yeah, like, it's got that's this like, kind of rage, emo, like like angst, like pure angst. Whereas I don't think co- what Kodak is doing is angst. No, it's co- like a it's a much deeper. It's more bluesy. Yeah, it's very exactly. like it's like like how, why am I put on this earth f- like to, to have suffer. this to suffer versus like like the ecstasyon like you know. Why don't you love me? Like I don't you see how you know much I love you and I and like the pain that I have around this relationship is like you know it's like just so emo. It's like so like mm-hmm. the, the emotions are so superficial. Then they clash so hard with the reality that Extasion like actually lived in of like virulent virulent misogyny. Mm-hmm. You know and homophobia and homophobia and, and like everything kind of hateful. Mm-hmm. You know like the, the idea that he's just this sensitive misunderstood soul just like doesn't resonate. You know mm-hmm. uh, I mean like it's pretty easy to understand why people don't love you Extasion except for all the people that do love you yeah because you fucking super violent and like you hurt people I mean and that kind of brings us to an interesting thing on this album is like Kodak Black, uh, another rapper, they're both from Florida. Both from Florida, had a long-standing relationship. They, yeah, they had a relationship. One of Kodak's biggest songs, "Roll in Peace," features Ex- Exodus and Tension. Uh, Kodak has a song that's a, like a tribute song to X. It's, it's called Malcolm XXX. Oh, the song, which oh. I think is like based off of a tweet that people, that some people, X uh, fans were kind of like Exodus and Tension fans. I got to be very clear about who I'm speaking about here. Existential fans were saying about after he died, they were like, you know, Malcolm X had did some things in the early parts of his life. I think including violence against women that he was able to later overcome. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and they're saying that Existential never had a chance to do that. Right. Which I mean is, I think quite frankly, a fucking ridiculous thing to say. (laughs) because It's like so offensive based, based on what we were seeing of his life. He had done, he had taken none of the steps to even approach, to even approach the concept of maybe thinking about changing. Not even close. So I think to like, that's just like a leap. That's a very convenient leap for his fans to make when it's like, he's, he's no chance that you can argue against it. Yeah. After like, especially after the audio came out where he admits to to doing doing all all the things. So, you know, that that's the kind of time. And I think that Kodak was picking up on that. And the song is like, is, you know, half to X, 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 X,
both of their mothers who now have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, outside of like the subject matter of like, you know, him trying to valorize this guy mm-hmm. in terms of like, once again, this is the other thing in terms of like the actual song and, ter- and examining and just like having some introspection and like talking about, you know, your life in a three dimensional world, maybe two dimensional kind of way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's, I, that song lost me. I gotta be honest. Like, it's like just the, the putting in the samples of like Malcolm X talking and stuff like that. It's like, oh, come on. Like, this is, this is artistically flawed, you know, a piece. Like, and it's just, and it, and that, and that for me also just veers into this area of like, why me and the part where Co- I loot the Kodak totally loses me, uh-huh. to be honest, because it just makes me think it's like if you can look at your friend and not and I understand he's your, your friend. I especially understand that, like, when you're a teenager, you like I, you know, most teenagers, their moral compass has a lot of blind spots on it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like even uh, like people who didn't grow up in a violent environment. It's like that. You I know? mean, like a lot of exes and fans. Yes, exactly. They don't. It doesn't read for them. It doesn't track. Or the idea that he did it two years ago, that's like a big amount of time. Whereas like for an, ad- like an adult, you know, it's like, <laughs> that was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You, you need to like deal with the consequences of your incredibly disgusting, vile actions. But like, you know, and I, and I, I mean, Kodak, it's like very hard for us as like kind of regular people to imagine Kodak's life. Seeing the highs and lows and extremes that he has had. Regular, like, middle-class-ish. People. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it's, there's just this, that like, that sense of, like, why are the police after me? Why am I in legal troubles? It's like, Kodak, there's only one reason that you're in that. And it's like, you can you can, like, deal with it and own it and move on. Or you can, like, languish in it. And it, and then the languishing is where he loses me. And I felt like that that song where he's talking about, like obviously it's awful that his friend was killed. I mean, mm-hmm. like you know, I, as a like as a you're someone that you felt like you could confide in, who understood your circumstance. That's a pain that I, it's like unimaginable. But to not to like put him on the level of like Malcolm X as if like they're any way comparable to me. It's like I I can't go. With, I can't, can't, doesn't, doesn't sit well. Yeah. Yeah. So fair. I mean, it, so, you know, um, who, who will, who's to say where his career will go, but he has, I've, he has sort of almost taken over X's fan base. I feel like it's like he is, he is so popular. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I think that. I, I, think, I mean, it's different, different. I, agree. I think they're, they're different audiences. Yeah. I think, um, I've more men in terms of like the dominance. Like, I feel like Extacion's, I feel like since he died, Kodak has even risen higher. I feel like yes, I think that's true, and I think that yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. I think that's true. I think there's there's also, I mean, I think that also like Kodak is like clearly more serious about his music now and yes. more serious about not going back to jail mm-hmm. in a way that he maybe wasn't before. Definitely not. And I think that. You know, like on this on this album, there's a lot of song. There's he has a lot of moments where he talks about just like what his gift is, you mm-hmm. know, and and about like how he's living now. Like if you know, in the song, like uh, if I'm lying, I'm flying. Yeah, that song's so good. Is you know essentially about like his commitment to his career and to keeping his life like on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that so you, you know you got that. There's um, 
there's like calling my spirit once again calling my is spirit like, is which I is think like the best song on the album that yeah. song is phenomenal and i think that's like once again it's him like actually let's listen to a little bit of calling my spirit right now yeah. this is calling my spirit by kodak Black. i put my heart on my lips i gave it all i could give i made it hot at the crib i can't fight the crib where you gonna go when you do how i'm gonna know for real i pour a four in the fill you already know what it is I keep a pole in the wheel Cut a lot of these niggas out here in me It ain't no horn and clear None of my dogs I fuck with Tennessee's I don't need so no sympathy Sippin' on Hennessy Yeah, and I think that, you know Another thing that he's really good at Which is, like, very present It's, like, I think best crystallized on the last song of the album Which is called Could Have Been Something Different mm-hmm. Which is where he Kodak is essentially talking about a friend that has betrayed him and I think that, you know, one of the through lines on this album is that I feel like he's talking a lot about this this most recent arrest where he got arrested. And he's like, it wasn't my gun. Right. Which, once again, f- falls flat for all the reasons that we've already discussed yeah, about not taking ownership of it. It's actually true. And that doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not matter. matter. It's completely yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. But I think that, you know, he feels it so strongly that it's inspired some of his best work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like... And I, I mean, I guess it's also possible that he could be talking about a number of other people, yeah. But um, and different situations. But there's a few moments where it's explicitly about this person. Mm-hmm. And on could have been something different. It's like it's talking about a friend that like has betrayed him, who 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 was around for some of his success, and then either was like asking for more, or just like wasn't satisfied with the level of, you know money and opportunities that Kodak was giving him and then kind of betrayed him. And now the person's cut. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, it's less about the subject matter and more about the way that it's conveyed mm-hmm. more about the, the number one, the flow and the passion in his voice and just the level of emotion that you feel is present. And it's like unavoidable in the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this, this is for me where like Kodak is really at his best and is showing like what is very special about him as a rapper. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that if, you know, and I watched this behind the scenes documentary about the making of this album. And when he's writing this song, which he's writing on a, on a pad and paper, which I think for a lot of pe- rappers of his generation is not the way that they record their songs. Mm-hmm. More, most people, like a lot of people in this generation are like, they freestyle it. So mm-hmm. they'll be in the booth, they'll think of a line, they'll say it, they may say another line after it, they may mm-hmm. say another line after that, they may keep only one of those lines and then punch in mm-hmm. and then just pick up from that point. But in this, in this, with this song, he wrote it pad and paper. And as he's writing it and like working on it and freestyling it and doing different takes of it, you can see that he knows like this is it mm-hmm. like this is a very special song he gets super excited and at the end of this, the clip he like he raps the entire the entire verse in the very much the same way that it sounds on the album like it's so close to the way that it sounds on the album that it's like it's astonishing to me almost it's like uh it's almost as if they recorded that version but i don't there's no way they did because it wasn't like he was in a booth or anything yeah, like yeah. that so but you know, I think that this is this is like another example for me of like just showing the amount of effort that he's trying to put in his career and mm, the amount that he's talent that he has. It's a I talent. Mean, I think that he's really trying to hone it and trying to. I think it's pretty clear that I mean, the, the, you know, this there's a there's a there's a chance that he a, there's a good chance that he will have to serve some time for the sexual I, assault I think, case in yeah. South Carolina, mm-hmm. and I think that um, he he's aware that that this great opportunity of his life 
could very well be over. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's in some ways it's like the, the Gucci Mane thing when Gucci Mane got three years in prison instead of the 25 that he was, or 30 that he was facing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I fucked up everything and I probably don't deserve to walk the streets. Mm -hmm. And if I am to walk the streets, I will never, ever get myself in a situation like this again. You know, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, and I mean, who knows how things are going to turn out with Kodak. He definitely has some reckoning to do mm-hmm. that he hasn't done and deserves to be punished, quite frankly. Yeah. And whether or not that happens is a whole other situation. Mm-hmm. But this album, despite not dealing with it, despite completely shirking the his his agency in a lot of these decisions that have caused these legal troubles. Mm-hmm is a very good album yeah it's a very very good rap album and i think that you know it's interesting to see that like some i think that some publications were some publications when it comes to reviewing artists like kodak or takashi 69 or existential like i think pitchfork reviewed takashi's album mm-hmm. and i think they reviewed x's album as well they did and Believe. they both got really bad reviews. Right. But they did not review the Kodak Black album. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because they know that if they reviewed it, they would have to give it a good review if they were trying to be even somewhat objective. I yeah, think you're probably right. And I find that to be very fascinating. You know, It says so much about where the media landscape is at this point, to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, uh, there's like a, almost like, I mean, justifiably, you know that you might lose readers for doing it or face serious backlash like the 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 backlash could you could say is justified Mm -hmm. but it's also that like you know editorial publications job is to navigate that and Mm -hmm. to to write about it in such a way that you can situate it so your readers understand all sides of it i think yeah i think that's true i think it's also like it's you know some people rightfully so are of the mind that, uh, you know, if you're talking about one of these artists in Mm. any kind of positive light, even Mm. if it is, even if you are trying to be balanced, even if you are trying to say they did these crimes, they're facing, they did these bad things, they should be punished for it. They also make good music. There are some people that believe by saying they also make good music, you're supporting supporting the artist and in some way supporting the actions. Supporting the actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, but okay, I understand where that's coming from. It's uh, it's sort of this idea that there are, you know, many talented artists out, of, out there. Why should the ones who have uh, these backgrounds, who've done these things, receive that level of success? It's a good question. It's not this, this is not like a morally flawed argument. But I, at the same time, I think it's just as valid to say, why is this person still popular? Is there anything of value in them? What can we take away from them? And that, like, there is some individual agency on each person's part. And there isn't just one simple, pat, moral answer to dealing with things like this. That's my feeling. And Absolutely. I, mean, I agree with that. You know, I mean, it's, it's complicated. I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I think that, you know, the kind of idea of cancel culture, it's like that term is, is like just a, something that was concocted in a laboratory at Fox News. But, like, <laughs> like if you don't want to listen to these artists... Like, that is seriously good and okay. Like, you are totally, totally justified. But 
some people should look at it and think about it. And it's good to think about things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're coming from by talking about it, him. You know, it's, it, there, the phenomena of Kodak is very much part of the hip-hop landscape. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's worth talking about. That's a great point. Yeah. I think it's a good place to end. Okay, and the next rapper we're going to talk about is from Zone 6 in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a man by the name of 21 Savage. So 21 first came to most people's attention in 2016. Yeah, it's 2016. 2016. Uh, His first really big hit was a song called Red Ops. And I remember the first time I heard of him, I just saw a video on Twitter of him performing it at, I don't think it was a Rolling Loud show, but it was like a Rolling Loud audience, Mm. which means a (laughs) bunch of white teenagers. Whoa. White teenage boys, mostly. Right. And the song Red Ops is playing. And these kids were like losing their shit, like <laughs> rapping the words back to him. Right. And I was really astounded by it. I was like, because tw- I was like, you know, looking at his face and I was listening to the song. And I'm like, this is an extremely violent kind of terse song about, you know, being in the hood. And he, it's kind of a hit with white teenagers. I was, it was just kind of confusing for me, but I think that's, I mean, that's just this that's just the state of most of rap in general now. Yeah. And for, has been for a long time, but it, I think there was just something, this is like, this is also, this is three years ago. So a lot has happened. This is like, <laughs> right. that's a seismic shift yeah, in, yeah. in culture and in hip hop. And I think in, in, even in my understanding of the way hip hop is consumed. Absolutely. And so th- I kind of started paying attention to him then. And then shortly after that, he released a full length, a nine song project with Metro, the, Boom. Metro Boom, in which this is, just before, I mean, I think at the time people in the know knew that Metro Boomin was the most dominant, one of the most dominant producers mm-hmm. of of the genre and of like popular music. But I think since then his stature has grown. Yeah, but at the time it was still a huge cosign. It was a this, massive cosign. It was like, true. Um, I mean, Twenty One Savage, he li- has lived the life that many rappers rap about. He uh, grew up. So, you know, in gang culture, his uh, he was shot multiple times. Uh, you know, his bro- his brother uh, was killed. He was big enough in like the street world that he knew many of Atlanta's biggest artists bef- way before he started rapping. Mm. You know, he was someone of some stature in that world. Uh, you know, so when he did decide to start rapping. He he kind of blew up pretty fast, as is the case so seemingly so much of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I believe it was within it was sort of almost similar to like a little baby that like within one year of him sort of his first release was came the um, Metro Booming release. That's right, and I think that I mean for me what stood out on the project they put out, which is called Savage Mode, mm-hmm. is that. He was a sneakily clever rapper, mm-hmm. you know. He was very funny. Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of slow rapping. It was like some of the darkest, most nihilistic rapping on that record. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just like doomsday esque kind of palette. Yeah, I mean, like one of the the early standout songs on that on that album is called "No Heart." Yeah, and it's about how he's like, I'm super ruthless. Yeah. Truthfully, <laughs> tr- truly, I'm extremely ruthless. Yeah, it's like those other people say they're ruthless. But I am actually ruthless. That's right, and I think I think that what was so effective about that song, and even that that as a as a character as a gimmick as a character, is that 
even in his voice and the way that he raps, which is very different from a lot of people at the time, is that it was like affectless. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, with, when you have people like Young Thug and Future and all the trap balladeers who are kind of manipulating their voice to convey all these different emotions mm-hmm. and show like a kind of range of feelings. 21 would would sometimes would occasionally describe a range of feelings. Yeah, um, but he wasn't having them. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you couldn't you couldn't hear it in the voice. The vo- he said everything at the same level. It was kind of like, you know, and I think that's also what what but the other thing is that there was also like moments of clear humor in his mm-hmm. music and I think that the fact that it was said stone-faced yeah. made it so that people were like couldn't even sense if he was joking or not yeah you know and like on the on the new he still has that it's still like one of his calling cards like on the new album but he says stuff that's like clearly very funny yeah you know what i yeah, mean like yeah. you know he, on one song he's like yeah you know I'm, I'm, i'll shoot you goldfish you yeah know what I mean? and you're just like that's you're just that you just crack a joke yeah man. yeah you know another another one where he, he mentions that like you know uh like an ak bullet that he shoots that'll hit somebody in Belgium. Like, That's just fucking funny, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's talking about grim things in a very humorous, in a deliberately humorous manner, yeah. but saying it with like with like a, a blank stare in his eyes yeah. that just gives it this like crazy effect. Yeah. And like I don't know, I really, I I find it very compelling. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, you may have heard us speak about on uh, the pod before is his evolution. Uh, I mean, like, he was definitely a really intriguing rapper when he first came out and at the sort of Metro Booming stage. What's the project called again? The Metro Booming? Sav- Savage Mode. Savage Mode, yeah. At the Savage Mode stage, he, it was, you know, he's really interesting. Not necessarily the most multidimensional, but, like, what he did, he did well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, 2017, he really, he started to kind of cross over into the mainstream mm-hmm. More, you know, he dated Amber Rose for a period of yeah. time in a very high-profile relationship. Yeah, in which he walked in Amber Rose's slut walk. Yeah, and I think was holding a sign that said "I'm a hoe." Yeah, which <laughs> that was when awful. will your fave ever? Yes, exactly. That's like one of those points where I already really liked him, and then I was like, he's just the best. Yeah, 2017, he had his uh, biggest hit, maybe so far i don't know with bank account oh that's right i think has that he, is his, his biggest hit, hit. No, i mean his biggest hit. it was i mean it's it's so infectious um and it, it came off an album that i kind of felt like was underrated it was one of my favorites yes, from last year totally. uh it's it's a record he you know it, one of the things you might know about 21 savage if you don't know him is the Issa meme from when he was interviewed and they asked about the cross on the meaning behind the cross on his forehead and he said it's a knife yeah and it is a knife. It's it not a, a cross. It's, yeah. a, it's a knife. Yeah. And then like his face, the kind of his face as he sort of gleefully said that became like a meme on like, uh, you know, it was incorporated in like the young thug and Lil Durk use a computer meme as if mm-hmm. like he was like Which, on like, the screen being like a supervillain. Eagle eared listeners will know that is our selection for meme of 2018. Yeah. <laughs> And that was one of my favorite incarnations of it, where it was like, uh, you know, he was like a Bond villain, and he was like threatening to destroy That's the world. Right. <laughs> oh, the, also the yeah. bat, the bat. There's a, the yeah. Batman meme, yeah, where, where it's like Twenty One Savage looks like he's like Batman has twenty four. He's telling Batman he has twenty four hours to save the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, is a record, uh, the, is an album rather is a it's it's I don't know. It was like where I first really saw. The range that he had, um, he was just his rapping improved, in my opinion, on that record. Um, 
immensely. He's kind of got into the the sort of meek mill or like I think you could say like sort of the the real like oldest precedent being like Mob Deeper or Nas mode of of the sort of observational uh, you know takes on the bleakness of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know he also could just like be like pretty smooth like in uh, the th- like Thug Life mm-hmm. which is like one of my favorite songs of 2017 um also like socially conscious on the song nothing new he kind of examines you know he talks about a lot of things talking about you know like uh systemic poverty Mm -hmm. and you know institutional Mm -hmm. like violence against people of color yeah like with police and stuff and it's like that i think it was moments like that for a lot of people i remember that song nothing new yeah was really people were like oh 21 savage actually Man, he'd be saying some shit. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's talking about real issues, and I think that it was surprising for a lot of people because they were they did, they thought of him as maybe like a, a one dimensional kind of rapper yeah. who was just really good at one thing. But I yeah. think he was showing his range here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's actually listen to a little bit of "Nothing New" by Twenty One Savage. I'm trying to feed my family. I ain't being political. You ain't giving out money, then they look at you pitiful. You make a couple million, niggas greedy to envy. I fuck that other side, we gon' shoot up your sprint. I used to sell that crack and spray that mech out that room. Fat niggas running high when I broke down that one. Got a stendo and a hoodie, he can't wait till December. Got a stendo and a hoodie, he gon' shoot you on camera. Lost his faith in Jesus Christ, he praying to a bandana. And also, Twenty One really made made a bigger mark. And I think something that really expanded his his fan base is mm-hmm. that Twenty One became kind of a go to person for a poppier rapper to have some edge on their songs. Yeah, such as on Post Malone, Post Malone with Rockstar, which yeah. is Twenty One's first uh, number one song on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. Right? His I th- Bodak, no, Bardi Cardi, that wasn't a number one, but like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're right. That's his own. His only. I think his only one. We, we His only, but it, that, but yeah. So yeah, became this person that was kind of a go-to you, person to, to add a little edge to your song. Mm-hmm. So Post Malone did it with Rockstar for twenty uh, with Twenty One Savage, mm-hmm. and Cardi B had Twenty One on, on Bardi and Cardi, and yeah. they have a really great dynamic mm-hmm. uh, on the song. And I think that in general, Twenty One just adds like a lot of. He just adds a, a, a menace to your, to your yeah, song that absolutely. if you're, especially if the song is kind of bright seeming, it's just a really great contrast. Mm-hmm. And kind of, it seemed like with the more he did it, the better he got at it. If you have, if you sneaking with Drake. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was, uh, t- that was, yeah, 2016 kind of in the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, the tradition of Drake, uh, getting the mutually beneficial, official wave writing. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but I mean, if you and if you listen to our episode of on uh, Metro Booming that we did earlier this year, uh, in in the record, no, all, not all heroes wear capes. Twenty one, two songs that are kind of solo songs on that compilation are two of my favorite songs of twenty eighteen. Ten Freaky Girls mm. and Don't Come Out the House mm-hmm. are like they're just so interesting. They're kind of weird. He does lots of cool stuff on them. Different uh, flows, yeah. Like just he he's he has suddenly become like an incredibly confident rapper in the in the style of like a Meek Miller Jay Z almost. Like mm-hmm. he's like he's funny. He can be deep. He can be menacing. He's Eric experimental. Yeah, and so that brings us to his new record, um, 
I am, I was. I am greater than I was. Oh, mm-hmm. oh I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he is. Yeah. That's, I mean, the takeaway from this album is that he really is. Yeah. It's like present from the very first song. It's so, the first song is amazing. It's called A Lot and it features J. Cole. It's such a good song. Great song. Great J. Cole verse. Yeah. I mean, it's moments like this on this, I mean, just to, to go in the Cole route for a second. Yeah. It's moments like this, like J. Cole's verse on this song. It's just like, I can't, anybody who could listen to this verse and say that J. Cole is not a good rapper. I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't take you seriously. No, it's a, it's a ridiculous statement. I think I think you can say that he's annoying, and at times that he's, you know, he he's like a he's a bad rapper masquerading as a good rapper. No, he's a good rapper. My issue with him is is actually also it's like exemplified in this song. It's like he doesn't want to get in the sandbox with the other kids. He has this like kind of stand on the outside and like talk about the state of rap and all this kind of thing. But if he was doing like features with like the Migos regularly or something like that, he would add a dimension to it and and make the songs for the better. You know, that's Fair. that's my issue with Fair. J. Cole. I think that he does a good a good job of of I mean, it's a similar rapper with, he does a good job of, of being kind of being in the same lane as a person he's featured on on the JID song called off D's. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he does that, but I wish he was getting into more like the trap stuff. Cause I think he just, he adds, I really think he adds something to it anyway. Yeah. All this to say, uh, 21 does an incredible job in this, Yes, you know? And I think that this is the other thing. It's like, th- like the, when talking about it, the growth that 21 is displayed, especially in contrast to, um, to Kodak black, Mm-hmm. Uh, also, twenty one has five years on Kodak. He's twenty six. It's true. Uh, but he, on the song, he's like talking about you know, he's kind of talking about like, uh, and I think on the album he talks about like his the loneliness that he faces, which is sometimes like a re- friendship thing, sometimes it's a relationship thing. Mm-hmm. But on the song, he's like, you know, how many people have I cheated on? He's yeah. like, a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there, that's just one of the things he says repeatedly. But it's yeah. just like there's a self awareness and there's an acceptance of causing some of your own pain and exactly. your your agency in doing that. Yeah, and that's the thing that like people have a. We've had so many issues with like even like sometimes like I mean one of the criticisms of Drake is that he doesn't really fully examine his own mistakes 100%. in a way that isn't like we don't see the emotional growth that we see with Twenty One Savage. That's right. So I think that like from the very beginning, Twenty One is kind of like charting a new course, the kind of course that he teased on the song Nothing New, where mm-hmm. it's just like a lot, just very introspective, very reflective, very th- a three-dimensional portrait of just like, not just himself, but the world in which he exists and what he sees even outside of that, like yeah. the, on a broader scale. He's also, uh, as you've kind of mentioned, bringing all kinds of uh, new modes to the art of rapping about guns. He raps about guns so much. And, you know, you feel like he has a real familiarity with them, and he does it very well. Yes. Um, but, you know, like, probably my only the, my only real problem with this record is the presence of Post Malone. I think I've reached a point with Post Malone that I, uh, you know, I just can't t- do it anymore. I might be a post-Post Malone. Uh, I feel you. Um, I will say that, you know what? I... You're still there? I don't really mind Post Malone. Like, I feel like, I mean, I think that when it comes to criticizing him, I'm super down. It's all justified. But I think he's pretty good. His voice is something in his voice. It's, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I think, you know, admitting that I like Post Malone, or I think that he's fine. I think he's, in fact, I think he's good. Um, Oof, brave. 
I, I just think he's a good, I think he's good at music. That's mm. essentially what I'm saying. Like, mm. I don't like, I'm not saying the, for, the force of Post Malone is like a good thing for the music world. Cause I don't know if I believe that. Mm-hmm. I, um, but I think that he's, you know, he's, he's competent. He's more than competent. He's like, he's mm. proficient, mm. you know? And yeah, I can't um, do it. I can't do it. That's no, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, and also, you know, I think it, 21 obviously you got to play the game even even the game. even, even though the the features aren't credited mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a it's an interesting move an interesting move and obviously like the, kind of like in the Travis Scott mold mm-hmm. but um this you know we were talking about the Kodak Black album talking about his collaboration with Little Pump we didn't mention his song with Juice World yeah uh, Kodak was on a, doing a radio interview and they're asking about that song and he's like yeah you know it's not my favorite song but I know it's going to stream mm-hmm. you know that's <laughs> yeah. that like that's the way that people like there is there it's is like true. a mercenary yeah. aspect 100%. to the way people use features and I feel like you know you know with 21 here also I'm sure he's probably pals with Post Malone he was, gave him his first number one like you know exactly I mean so he, he's he, gonna be on the album I mean to be honest if you were like I'll give you a million dollars to be on a song with Post Malone what do you think my answer would be I need two million <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I need one hundred thousand dollars and like a you know bottle of Grey Goose so feature speaking of uh, incredible features on this album none mm-hmm. of which are credited but you know this album has Travis Scott it has Childish Gambino yeah it has the City Girls yeah it has Offset it has Little Baby and Gunna it yeah. has Schoolboy Q and Project Pat Project Pat with this incredible oh, such a good song fucking outstanding verse like I, I love moments like this where you know an older rapper like a legacy rapper somebody who's had a lot of impact that doesn't really get the shine that it is the they deserve. Yeah. I mean, Drake quoted Project Pat on his song Look Alive with yeah. uh, Block Boy JB, but I think that I don't even know how many people even knew that he mm-hmm. was quoting Project Pat. But so for 21 to put Project Pat on this album and to give him so this cool. like starring moment. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, when Kendrick put MC8 on uh, Good Kid Mad City. It's exactly like that. And uh, similar, similar titles. The song is called Good Day. Let's actually listen to a bit of it yeah. right now because I just really want you to hear this Project Pat first. Yeah. Got the ball for 50 things. Now he wanna kill me now. 50 drums air his man man house. How do he feel me now? Left his Kimpo full of lease. In the street we pay for cheese. Clothes, casket. Aim for his head, shot him in his teeth. Mud nigga, mud nigga, op killer, thought driller. If in Tennessee, we got real hitters, drug dealers, cop killers, gang spitters, sauce drippers. Pussy ass niggas, you need to bleed. Draco Berry, you like to see. I know you niggas ain't liking me. Pata, all about that sacker. Ran up on me, 45, blew out his back, Rack after rack, You know I'm gonna stack, Treat this rap shit, man, like I'm hustling cracker. Pata. Today was a good day. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, once again, like, 21 says some really interesting stuff about love on this album, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there, when he mentions the distinction, he's like, someone can, like, essentially he's talking about how someone can, like, say that they love you and still, like, hurt you repeatedly. Yeah. I was like, God damn. <laughs> 21, you hit me in the feels. Yeah. Is this a little Peep album? What's going on right now? Yeah. You know, like, once again, just, like, that's that that's showing a sign of emotional maturity that you, I mean, there's, like, not a lot of rappers that can do that. Yeah. No, he he's he's now like honestly one of my favorite rappers. I like I find his whole his whole shtick compelling, and like I I just want I like I, it's kind of a shame that this record came out when it did, but it was still super successful. Yes, absolutely, and I think that um, yeah, you know another thing that's like another moment on this album that I think is really great is that 
there's obviously this is like a a, tr- a long-standing trope in hip-hop the like the song about your mother yeah but 21s it's, is so beautiful it is and also that's it's always good yeah it's right. i was i was thinking about this recently and i i want to make a post in boosie fade the group about it because i really want to talk about it but i want to talk about like tropes in hip-hop that you're just never sick of no matter how many times they're done and this yeah. is like this is like at the top of the list absolutely for me, you it's know? so good it's i can't think of a bad one that's no. right. It's true. You know, honestly, it's always good because, you know, we can all relate. True. I mean, yeah. most people can relate. That's true. Some people can relate. Some people can relate. Let's let's not overly generalize. That's true. That's true. Um, me, for instance, I no, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love my mom, and uh, she's not listening to this. But mom, if you ever hear this for some bizarre reason, hey, look at me. I'm doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like that. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's let's actually listen to a little bit of letter for my mama right now by Twenty One Savage. October '92, when you push me out, it was only right that I made a song about you. Ain't no telling why I'd be if I went without you. Wish I would have stayed in school, but I dropped out. You taught me how to be strong, gotta give praise. When the times got hard, you always made ways. Even though I barely got the new J oh You made sure the kid kept a temp fast And you kept my PlayStation with some new games Then you bought me Freezy Cups with your loose chain. My daddy never was around that nigga too lame I think that's why I quit school and started to shoot things My mama taught me how to tie my shoes my mama taught me how to Yeah, so I guess just like to, to bring it all home I think it's that, you know, with, with Kodak, you can see in terms of like the actual construction of the album and putting together the music aspect of it, you see growth in terms of the way that he he examines his life and mm-hmm. the world around him. Not much. It's mixed at best. It's mixed. Mixed is a better way to describe it. Yeah. There's like a, there's a, some, some there's some glaring glaring omissions. Yeah. Like real things like and they're the they're it's like the elephant in the room. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um with twenty one though, twenty one is like he's like, like lowering, he's like bearing his soul. Mm. And you're getting to see, it's like, I just feel you get to know him better and you get to appreciate him more with this kind of work. It's such a strong album. It's an, it's an A plus 21. Yeah. You, you, 100 out of 100. Yeah. We're very proud of you. That's a gold sticker yeah, on your, on your paper. <laughs> best, best new music catch up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for 21. So it's just interesting because both these guys were, were, they were both uh, 2016 double XL freshmen. Mm-hmm. And I think that class is a lot of like interesting case studies in terms of how this new era, this streaming era mm-hmm. of hip hop, like in terms of stardom, you know, you got like little Yachty's like mm-hmm. kind of like in a musical um, Siberia yeah. where his music is, is it's not, it's I think very indistinct now. It's yeah. not particularly special. And even the stuff that's good doesn't actually get appreciated. Yeah. And I think it's because even the stuff that's good is not super distinct. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of the thing of the little Yachty as opposed to these two other guys where they've grown and sort of distinguish themselves like Lil Yachty everyone else has been there's been a million imitators Mm -hmm. and you know he hasn't grown he's kind of stayed the same or gotten worse almost he if anything I think he's gotten worse I think but it's like his career has grown he's become an incredible brand spokesman (laughs) you know like almost like out of a Almost, I mean, I... He should be on a sitcom by now, basically. It's true. He did He did some animated voices uh, for some DC Comics movie that came out. But cool. anyway, we digress. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. that... No, it's, that it's 20, true. 21 and, uh, and Kodak f- are among the most successful from that class. There's also a little pump. Yeah, but they show the... Re- 
Ooh, little Uzi. Little Uzi. From that That's group. right. I, Uzi, hope, Uzi. I hope we get to an Uzi album this year. If there's, the, if, if there's no Uzi album this year, I think that all of us need to protest. We got to pull up to DJ Drama's house and we got to talk to him. It's we got issues. We got issues because I we really need to talk about Lil Uzi at some point. We do. We do. We do. He's like the he is really the most interesting person in terms of what this all means because you can look at uh, like of of this moment that we're kind of I think might be leaving soon. Yes, that's right. You know the the that SoundCloud wave. Yeah, I mean, I was just like if you think about the the SoundCloud wave. Yeah, Axis Axis Extension is dead. Yeah, Um, Little Peep also. Dead. dead yeah um and like takashi 69 is is probably going to serve a lot of time yeah you know and though those even those three as being like, like three of the biggest three of the biggest stars to come out of this soundcloud wave yeah it already feels like we're kind of shifting into a new lane exactly because i don't even think like you know if you look at some of the new stars like the Ju- juice world is not necessarily like a soundcloud no he's star. not you know he's like he comes a little more fully formed and like like label entrenched from the kind of jump exactly you know? and even his sound is is distinct that's right you that's know? right and then you got the tear wax of the world and yeah. like all kinds of other people, I mean, people are bringing we, up... we talked about on last week's episode that are, are really actually pretty distinct from mm-hmm. all of from all of those artists uh you know it it's kind of like there are some people like 21 who are of that who have grown and like made themselves a really solid rap career. There's some people who have not gotten very far and their evolution is kind of distinct. Like they become indistinct like Lil Yachty. Ugly uh, God. Ugly God. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of I'm not mm-hmm. even remembering. And then there's Smoke uh, Perp. Smoke Perp. Yeah. It's the people. It's like yeah. your moment is probably gone. Yeah. Whereas like, and then there's a few that are still to be decided, but mm. it's, it's really interesting now to look at back at that and for better or worse, you know, it's, it was a really interesting time in rap, some good parts to it, some bad parts to it. Mm-hmm. RIP the SoundCloud wave. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode of catch up. It was very interesting. This was an interesting one. This was a, a, kind of a deep one. It was, it was, it, it went, light, a, went a little deeper than I even planned on it going. Yeah. But I think it's good. Yeah, I think I think it's important that we talk about these things. Yeah. And um yeah, I mean like, you know, let us know what you think. Like hit us up. Yeah. Uh, do you like us going deep or do you want us to keep it light like kind of we did the week before? That's a that's a really good good question to ask. So like let us know what you think. Um if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast and you've been a regular listener for some time, why? <laughs> do you hate us? Yeah. Do you want to hurt us? <laughs> <laughs> You don't care? You just don't care. Because that's what you're doing. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, if you haven't done that, please do that. It really helps us. And just spread the word. Tell your friends about about Catch Up, the podcast, especially if they're into hip hop. And even if they're just like only cursory into hip hop, you know, like kind of like a little bit. So we got some listeners. I've talked to people that listen to this podcast who told told me they're not huge hip hop fans, but they love the podcast because it introduces them to stuff and it explains things in a way that they can understand it. And Mm -hmm. it just so just like spread the word about our podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, let us know what you think. Like, hit us up. Let it, you know, post in your Instagram stories about us. Like, yeah, we love that. We love it. Um, but yeah, you know, we we really appreciate you guys listening and uh, spreading the word about us. So, thank you, and thanks for listening to this episode. We will talk to you very soon. Stay safe. Week.